If you have your Bibles, take them in hand or your Bible app on your phone, and we're going to look at Acts chapter 16 today, continuing our series on power to change. It's a blessing for us to be able to have our older son, Coulter, and his family, Sydney, visiting from the Ottawa area, so you can get to know them more. Coulter was here on our very first uh, Sunday. We moved up, and then he had to fly back to Ontario, but they're both out for a couple weeks, staying with us, uh, doing a a, they re- do remote working, so they both can work remotely on their computers, uh, so we kind of get the best of both worlds, but it's great to have Coulter and Sydney with us here today. But as we look at Acts chapter 16, we're looking at another life transform. This series deals with people who have been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit through the book of Acts. Again, second chapter of Acts is when the Holy Spirit fell, Amen. And it was really the birth of the New Testament church as we know it today. And we are excited when we see this because these things are not only for them, but they're also for us. Isn't that what Peter said when he did his great, uh, his great sermon on the day of Pentecost? He said, this is for you and children and for all who are far off. So that means we are recipients of those gifts and those blessings of the Spirit. So we're going to take a look at this beginning with verse 6. This now is Paul and Silas and Timothy. And it says this, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and in the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. God ever tell you no? said, No, that's not for you. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but again the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis. Uh, From there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Theratira, who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized... She begged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. So, Lord, we pray for the next few moments. Open up our hearts and our minds. Help us to understand your word, O God, and to apply the principles of your word in a very practical way to our daily lives. We want to live pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is a pretty neat story here when it talks about Paul and Silas because they're trying to go and evangelize a certain area and God redirect them to a different area. Um, Number one is this. When we listen to the Holy Spirit, He directs our path. He directs our path. Um, It's interesting that sometimes we have a certain mindset, but life is what's happening right now while you're making plans for later. Have you heard that? Life is happening right now. We don't know what tomorrow may hold. So always be ready. And as a pastor, of course, my biggest day of the week is Sunday. You know, we prepare during the week, getting our sermons ready, getting worship ready, making sure all of our teams are in place, ready to serve. But of course, there's more than just Sunday, because throughout the week, 
you're counseling, you're teaching, you're encouraging, maybe you're visiting the sick, people will call, people need help. There's things that happen, but it all leads up to the big day, Sunday. But the funny thing is, I've learned in my life that uh, God will use me at any point in time, and just to be ready, uh, how many like to go and enjoy the, the city pools or hot tubs? Anybody besides me? We have great aquatic centers in Canada. Why? Because we get a lot of snow and rain, right? So indoor sports are big. We love our hockey. We love our swimming. We do get some sunshine too, which is great. And thankfully we have it today. But um, we lived for a while in Radium, out in the Kootenays, at the foot of the Rocky Mountains. And uh, we rented a place and it was like one of those A-frame chalet-style homes, great, and we got a good deal on rent, and our boys were younger at the time, and we rented in this place that actually had a pool and a hot tub, and during the vacation days, during the summer, it was packed, just packed with people, so, you know, if you want to get in and be among the masses and have to kind of squish your way in and be able to swim about three feet before you bump into somebody, that's great, you know, have at it, but when summertime ended, Wintertime rolled around, we had the place almost to ourselves, And they kept the indoor pool and the hot tub going. You guys remember that? And so I love to be able to go to a jacuzzi every once in a while when I get the chance. Just relaxes you and lets all the tension out. And sure enough, when you're in a, a pool or a hot tub, uh, it's not really a time to be overly social, is it? Uh, you know, you don't want to be too, too social when you're in it because it's kind of a, you know, you're in your swimsuit and you know, you're trying to just relax. You don't want somebody getting too talkative. And you certainly don't want them to come sit up next to you. How you doing? My name's Fred. It's like, no, just back off. We need at least three feet here, right? This is a hot tub, right? This is not a social club. But regardless, we are always Christians, and we're always called to shine our light. And sure enough, a couple came in, and uh, I thought I had the place to myself. I was all excited. And then here comes somebody, husband and wife. Oh, great. Now I got to you know, be friendly, right? I can't just relax. <laughs> but that's okay. And so they stepped in the hot tub, and, you know, you got to kind of measure your level of friendliness so you don't freak anybody out. But just, how you doing? And then you kind of just keep it cool and see if they say the next response. And it's a real delicate balancing act when you're in the public pool area. But they started to talk, and they wanted to find out who I am. Well, what do you do? Well, of course, I'm a pastor. Why pastor? And so we kind of got talking about spiritual things, and lo and behold, the next Sunday, they showed up in church. Uh, to our church, they were visiting, they were vacation, and, and they wanted to come and worship the Lord. So that was pretty cool. And I realized, you, know, just, you never know what's going to happen. I have witnessed in workout places, I was in a sauna at the city pool down in, I think, Aldergrove, and a guy was in there complaining about politics, complaining about the government, complaining about our leadership. And, uh, and he got on the topic about nuclear warfare and what if they dropped the bomb. And so I just kind of put out on the seat and said, you know what, sure makes it happy that you have peace with the man upstairs in times like this. You know, just plant a seed. And you never know what's going to happen. So be ready for hot tub ministry, amen? <laughs> be ready. Don't think you're alone because they'll come and find you and be ready to shine your light. But the Lord directs our path, and he'll use you when you least expect it. And so here we got Paul and Silas say, well, let's, let's go to Asia. You know, let's go to Bithynia. These places need the gospel. Yeah, but the Lord has other plans. He had a grand master plan to actually take them to a different place. 
And it didn't say specifically how the Holy Spirit led them. Usually it's with his still small voice, amen? The still small voice. But it could have been by his hand opening and closing doors because God really does work all things for our good. Proverbs chapter 3 says, as we acknowledge him, he directs our path. If we trust not in ourselves, but put your trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him, in other words, as Lord of every area, he will direct your path. And so we're not sure how God let them know, but he let them know, and it was clear they were not to go to those areas. But then they get this Macedonia call, and they had to be listening. They had to be paying attention. I've got a question. Why do we sometimes not hear his voice? You think about that? Because God is speaking regularly. He speaks through his word, the Bible, and he speaks by his Holy Spirit. But let's be honest, sometimes we miss it. Anybody besides me ever miss those opportunities, miss his voice, and we just blunder it? I've done it. Well, here's some reasons why sometimes we're not hearing. First of all, we're not listening. That's the obvious one. We're not in tune. We're not listening to our hearts and what the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. But also, this can be attributed to busyness in our lives, distractions. We get too many things going on. We're not paying attention. Maybe a lack of spiritual intimacy. You know, we haven't been praying or in the Word for a while. Kind of get a little distant. And intentionally, unfortunately, sometimes people intentionally ignore the voice of the Spirit because they don't like what He's telling them. They don't like what he's saying. And so they try to withstand that. But that only lasts so long. Eventually, you got to put up or shut up. you got to say yes to God or, you know, go your own way. Because our life is a surrendered life. Amen? Yielded to him. So when we listen to him, though, he will direct our path. Every day, God has a plan for your life. Every day. When you leave this place, God will direct your path. Tomorrow on Monday, he will direct your path. Well, I'm just getting up and going to work. Yeah, but he has a plan for the events of your life every day. Isn't that what Ephesians 2.10 says? God has prepared good works beforehand for us to walk in them. And again, Proverbs 3 says, as we acknowledge him, he directs our path. He didn't say sometimes. That's a blanket statement. He will direct your path, and he wants to use you for his honor and glory each and every day. Number two, when we obey God's call, he will use you then in powerful ways. You see, Paul received the Macedonian call, this vision of a man from Macedonia. By the way, that's a Roman province north of Greece. So Macedonia was one of those Roman provinces. And uh, yeah, Philippi was a prominent city, as it says in Scripture, but actually Thessalonica was the capital city. And so these are Roman provinces under Roman rule. Have to pay your tribute to the Roman government. You got to pay your taxes to Caesar. I'm sure that that just graded on the Hebrew people at times. They weren't truly free. They had their, they had their area. They had you know their country, but they were all uh, parts of the Roman uh, Empire. Basically, Rome ruled the earth in this day, and yet Paul. He was saying, you know what? I think that this is a vision from God. He could have questioned it. He could have wondered, is this really from the Lord? Maybe I need a fleece like Gideon had. You know, maybe I need to pray about it for a week or two. But no, it was a clear vision. And he said, God is calling us to go. And so they went. He received this Macedonian call. And it was a man pleading for Paul to cross the Aegean Sea to Europe to come and help them to this province of Macedonia. You know what? The gospel was able to be spread in that whole region because they said yes. Amen? Think about that. What if he had said no? 
how long would it have taken for the gospel to get to Europe, to get to Greece, to get to Rome? How long would it have taken? Eventually, maybe, but how many lives would have been lost in the process? When we say yes, you are fulfilling God's plan, and he will use you in a powerful way. We don't like to say yes. It's like the man that was on his horseback riding out in the wilderness, and it was a mountainous terrain, and suddenly he came to the ledge, and the horse stopped short, and he flipped over the horse and went down this 100-foot cliff. But just before he went down, he grabbed onto a branch just a few feet from the top, but he, he was far enough where he couldn't climb up. And if he let go, he would fall to his doom, but he couldn't get up. And so he cried out, God, help me. Lord, help me. I need you. Save me. And a voice came from heaven. And he had been saying, is anybody out there? Lord, are you there? If you are, help me. And a voice from heaven said, let go of the branch and I will save you. And the man said, is anybody else up there? We don't always want to say yes, right? Take those leaps of faith. And yet Paul and Silas and Timothy responded. And because of that, the gospel was able to spread to this new region. Why do we sometimes not answer his call? We ask the question why we don't hear. Now I'm going to ask this question. Why do we then not heed the call? Well, it might be inconvenient. Anybody ever been inconvenienced? I just don't want to help that guy right now. I don't care if he needs me. I know he goes to the church, I know it's, it's legitimate, but I, I've got stuff I want to do. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes uh, it's not part of our plan. Whatever the reason is, when God calls you, if you're willing to say yes, even when it's inconvenient, even when it's not part of your plan, but you surrender to his plan, then you get to be used. And when we are used of God, it's a blessing, it's exciting, it's powerful, it's wonderful. And you know you're in the center of his will. And he, there's blessing through obedience. Do you know that? That's the kingdom of We don't do it for the blessing. But nonetheless, there is blessing through obedience. That's what Proverbs 28, 20 said. The faithful person shall abound with many blessings. That's the kingdom dynamic. When you obey, just like your earthly father. When I was, when I was a good boy growing up, uh, I had the favor of my father on me. Good job. Good job, son. And, uh, you know, it's all, but when I fell out of favor, he still loved me, but that's when the discipline came. And I would make my own mistakes and had to reap the consequences for my actions. But when I was obedient, there was blessing. And our Father loves to bless you. He loves us so very much. So much so that he gave his son Jesus to die for us so that we could be saved. How many of us would give our son or daughter to a bunch of dirty, rotten sinners who didn't care about him? That would be really, really hard. But God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Isn't that awesome? When we obey his call, he will use you in powerful ways, and he will bless you in wonderful ways. Um, you know, it's interesting. When my wife and I were pastoring in East Wenatchee, Washington, and um, there's been a couple of good-sized churches that we were on staff at. This wasn't the largest church that we served, but it was about 300 people. It was a good-sized church. I was the executive pastor there. And we had several staff, and I was working with a really good friend of mine named Steve McGrady. He was from Birmingham, England, and he came over the States, married an American, and we had so much fun. We were having a great time, and the Lord was tugging on my heart, it's time to go, Scott. I, really? 
You know, and, and, I, and I, we, they just renewed our health benefits. We got this great health package now. And if you're in the States, you know how important that is. It's not like here where everybody gets it. And, uh, you know, we were building a brand new building, a big facility. We were at a building program, and, and we were renting space from the, the local high school and setting up Saturday nights and, and 300 chairs and sound system and all this stuff. And it was hard work, but I enjoyed it. And I was working with a good friend of mine. In fact, I just shared that story that he and I got lost and wound up at the nuclear site at a men's conference. That's the same guy. And so God was tugging on our hearts, and, and he said, you're supposed to go to Quincy, Washington. And Quincy was a little farm town. I think I've shared a little bit about that, 5,000 people, just about a half hour away from Wenatchee, and uh, grew a lot of potatoes there, little church of 40 people, and my salary was going to get basically cut in half. They had a parsonage we could stay at. It wasn't bad. And uh, we took a big cut in pay, but we knew that God was calling us to go. And so we said, okay, Lord, we're going to trust in you. We're stepping out of the boat. We're going to take on this little church and go. You know what? When we did, the neat thing is he supplied the financial needs somehow, some way. You know, we, we were okay. And my wife got a part-time job at the eye doctor and they were able to increase my salary a little bit over time, and the district helped for a little while. And over a few years, we actually paid off all our bills. We got out of debt. How did that happen? I left a big salary for a small salary, and a few years later, I'm debt-free. Well, that was the Lord, because there's a blessing through obedience. And the church grew, and, and we were able to impact our community. We were there for four years and had a, a wonderful time. One of the favorite places we ever went was that little farm town in Quincy, Washington. You know what? God has a plan. If you're willing to say yes to him, he will use you and he will bless you. Even when it's not easy, even when it's a sacrifice, but there's obedience and then there's blessing. Number three, when we watch and wait, God provides opportunities for us to respond. Notice that Paul, Silas, and Timothy spent several days in the busy city of Philippi and there was nothing noteworthy that's listed in Scripture. I shared this a little bit with our board. Just gave them a little preview on our board meeting this last week. Uh, we have ideas in mind. This is how it's going to work. And uh, Philippi, this is the big city. You know, we're the big city here in Prince George for this area. And it's like, okay, well, if we're going to move down to Lower Mainland, we've got to go to Vancouver. And Vancouver, that's where everybody's at, right? Two million people. That's where we're going to see revival. They went to Philippi, this big bustling city, and they were there for several days, and it doesn't look like anything really happened. But what happened, a few days later, they went outside of the city, down by the riverbank, and I hear there's a few women that gathered there, and of course, this is, this is you know, New Testament years ago. This is the old uh, Hebrew culture, and women didn't quite have the same rights as men, and you know, in fact, they couldn't even really have a synagogue unless I believe there were 10 men that were there to establish it. And then you can have an official synagogue. It would minister both there and then the house churches. And so they went out to the riverbank where the women would hang out and they wind up witnessing and Lydia gets beautifully transformed. She, she believed in God, but I don't think she had all the information. It says that she believed and received Paul's instructions. She got fully committed, baptized her and her whole household and that actually initiated the revival that began in Macedonia. It wasn't through a man. It was through a woman, Lydia. And she was a seller of purple. If, if you know the culture there, 
purple was an important color for the Roman garrisons, for their uniforms. So she was likely a prominent woman, well-connected, probably quite successful. She was a seller of purple linen, so she would have had good clientele through the Romans. And she was influential. She knew all these people. God knew who to bring in their path at the right time in the right way. Amen? It wasn't even in the city. They hung out there for several days, and the Bible doesn't say anything happened. Maybe, possibly, but nothing of noteworthy that's in the Scripture. It was when they went outside the city, they allowed God to direct them. They're ready, always, to give a presentation of the gospel, and when they least expect it, God brings revival. You see, we can't force things to happen, can we? Anybody ever try to force things to happen? God, I need this now. I'm giving you one week, Lord. Otherwise, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. But no, God will do it in his time and his way. You know, Lord, I need $2,000, and I need it in two weeks. Otherwise, I don't know, maybe I'll just stop going to church. I'll take my marbles and go. I say, well, I'm not going to give you $2,000 in the mail like you want, but maybe I'll give you extra hours at work. Maybe I'll give you another opportunity where you can put in some extra time and well, okay, I guess that's all right. That'll... doesn't matter how he does it, as long as he does it. That check might come in the mail. I mean, those types of things happen. But allow God to be God and do it his way and his time. Amen? He directs our path. He works it all together for good. He has the master plan. We can't force him to do it our way. And, and in the way that we think, let's just allow God to be God. His ways are higher than our ways. And, and you know what? God is moving in our midst. He's moving in our churches and think, well, okay, well, if there's going to be revival, then there's got to be at least, you know, three people that have laid out, and there's got to be at least this and that. Hey, I've experienced that. I love that. That's great. But God can move in any number of ways. And the best way, the most powerful miracle is lies being saved for Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's never forget that. You know, you, know, you can jump 10 feet high, but it's not how high you jump. It's how straight you walk the next day on Monday. Amen? I want lies to be committed to Christ. We love the signs and wonders. We love the gifts. Let's not chase after the gifts. Let's chase after the giver of the gifts first, and that's Jesus. And then allow him to bless us in his way. And just be open. Say, Lord, do whatever you want to do. Your way, your way is the best way. And so when we watch and wait, God will provide those opportunities for you to minister and share your faith and touch somebody else's life. We can't force it. God will move in us and through us as we listen to him, as we trust him, and then we obey him, obey his voice. Simply serve him every day. Allow him to, allow him to direct your life. Live for Jesus with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's going to use you. Amen? He's going to use you. I am excited for what God is doing in this church, and uh, God is bringing people through our doors Things are happening here, and he has more that he's going to do. But let's make sure that it's always about Jesus first above all. Amen? Amen. Lifting him up. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto you. Lifting up Jesus. Worshiping him in spirit and in truth. And doing everything based on the word of God, based on the Bible. He's going to bring the increase. He's going to bring blessing. Let's just obey him and do what he's called us to do.